All right. Cheers, everybody. Yes. Hey, how you going? Happy Sunday night. It's Timothy Nelson here. Musician, songwriter, performing artist, or should I say former musician? Who knows? What am I anymore? What are any of us anymore? It's Sunday night. We're about, I don't know. Is it a week? A week and a half. Every day feels like a year at this point. But I think we're all slowly but surely going into full lockdown. It's been a pretty crazy time. Um, I have zero idea what I'm doing. Um, let, let me just explain. Um, the podcast is called Your House. Your House was the name of a song I put out as a single uh, a couple of weeks ago, back when I was a musician. And we got two gigs into... Promoting the song, we did a gig at the Bassendine Hotel, a gig at the Indian Ocean Hotel, and that was around the time they were just starting to say, look, gatherings of 500 are not a vibe. And, uh, you know, so naturally we chose to have less than 500 people come along. It was a hard decision to make, but we did it. Um, did it for the, for the kids uh, more than anything. Um, and we were meant to go down south to do a bit of a rural tour the following week. Um, and that's when everything just started to go into shutdown. We thought, why don't we live stream a rehearsal, we'll play some songs, have a chat. And then as the days went on, less and less people seemed to be wanting to get in a room together. Um, and so now it's just me talking into a microphone in my apartment Um, My girlfriend and I have been, you know, we have really no reason to leave the house. Um, We've been, it's been kind of nice, to be honest. Uh, We've been cooking a different meal every night, catching up on uh, various television series. Um, I've been trying to write songs, been trying to stay productive. It's it's very weird um, making the adjustment. I mean, look, it's, I'm having a better time than some people, you know. Let, let's, As Piers Morgan and a thousand other memes said the other night, uh, previous generations were called to go to war. We're being asked to just sit at home and watch the telly. It's fine. It's fine. I think the weird thing is making that adjustment of this is otherwise a, a brilliant time to hit reset and just take a break. But the decision's been made for us, which is the hardest part, I think. Um, but it's all for the greater good. And look, I'm, I don't want this to be, uh, look, if I can pledge one thing to you with this podcast or whatever the hell this is, I, I will not act as some kind of authority on anything that's going on in the world. And I sure as hell, I'm not going to pretend to be some kind of guru about what to do with self-isolation. There's, that's the last thing we fucking need is another, person preaching into a webcam like oh, today I rearranged my books and I did my taxes yeah go fuck yourself I don't care I don't care that you're doing yoga and drinking wine at the same time it's fine but look we're just gonna have a chat I did catch up with a friend of mine I recorded the the conversation we're gonna hear hear from them pretty soon it's an interesting time knowing that I won't be gracing any stages near you anytime soon maybe 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 that's a good thing in your eyes uh, uh, DJ sets, they're a thing of the past At this point anyway I won't be carting my records around to any clubs and pubs uh, 
won't be doing any weddings, no wedding receptions. Uh, won't get to see the room come alive when you drop, you know, I want you back by the Jackson 5, and uh, which is an interesting one. Uh, you know, you kind of, you the whole room realises subconsciously that they only like the intro to that song. You know, the, the way that song kicks in, the minute you drop the needle on that song, it, it goes off like a bomb. You know, you got that, uh, that, that, that first note, that dun 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 it's oh, it's fucking mental. I've seen women drop punt their babies across the room and dive over a bridal table just to get to the dance floor in time. And then as the song just goes on, they're trying to milk every bit of excitement out of that those initial first few seconds of the track. And it never, you know, um, it is a classic tune. I won't give it that. I, I'm trying to work on a list like a high fidelity style top five, you know, sort of list, you know, songs that don't live up to their own intro. The prerequisite, of course, being songs that people love, you know, it can't just be your mate wrote a song, the, the intro is kind of good, but the rest of it sucks. It, it, it has to be a beloved, you know, iconic sort of song. Um, I mean, all respect where respect is due. Michael Jackson, definitely the greatest pedophile of all time. But, you know, that song. It's just, it's my opinion. What what are you going to do? What are they going to do to me? You can't take away anything else at this point. There's no gigs. I'm not leaving the house. I've been cancelled. The world has cancelled me. This virus has cancelled everyone. We all just got me too'd by a fucking bat. I've got this little keyboard plugged in to keep me company. Got a beer. It's Saturday night while I'm recording this. You're hearing this on Sunday night. Uh, I'm going to spend the night editing uh, what I've said, what I've done. I, who knows? I don't know. Maybe I should just leave this all in. I mean doesn't really matter. As I was saying before, I did catch up with a good friend of mine, uh, Hayley Ayres, who many years ago I had a band called Timothy Nelson and the Infidels. She was in the band, she played violin, and not long after joining, she fell into organising the shows and doing the management side of things. And in the years since, she's moved away from performing music to focusing solely on management and being a booking agent. She's got her own company these days called 360 Artist Logistics. She still books my shows, thankfully, and she books shows for a lot of other amazing artists. She's been dealing with this whole situation as far as the music industry side of things um, from the other angle to what I've been moving and rescheduling shows and things that were, were coming up. And we, and we talked about all of that. So uh, anyway, Enough of me yapping on. Uh, let's get on with the show. Hello? Hello. Is that working? Can you I, hear me? I can. There's a bit of a delay. Oh. Must, might be your AirPods. Oh, no. Um, I can try headphones that I plug in. Hold on. I have wine too, just saying. Me too. Good. <laughs> I've just been sitting around, holed up in this little apartment, trying to think of what I'm going to do in this situation. I suppose you've been in a similar scenario. Yeah. I'm going a bit crazy. Like I work from home anyway, but it's like hard to remember to shower at the moment. <laughs> but I don't know. For me, I'm like working six months in advance all the time. So... There's still all the work to do, but I just won't get paid for my last six months of work. What was the last six months of work for you? Well, it was getting all the tours ready that have been cancelled. So they, yeah, they take like six to nine months to plan. 
you know, it's kind of like, cause I'm dealing with lots of artists and agents and stuff and everyone is just kind of like gearing up for October. That kind of seems to be the clear month that everyone so, is, is gunning for. So the world or your world at least has decided that October, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, there's some people who I think are a bit optimistic that are like talking about August. I just, I would rather not plan for August. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. It, it's quite odd. I mean, you, you just hope that all the, it's not just bands and agents, is it? It's all the production companies and everything being able to survive this. Well, that's the thing. It's like all of the parts of the industry that are reactive are kind of fucked. Yeah. And then all of the parts of the industry that are proactive just won't ever get paid. So you're kind of fucked either way, but I'm like, at least I have work to do. Yeah. Um, people in production are just like, I just have no job now until people tour again. So when you when you have to shut down a tour that you had lined up, and I imagine you've got to talk to all the different venues, some other people involved, has everyone been kind of unanimously just yet that's cool. Has there been any issues that have come up with? Yeah, there was some like, I mean, that would have changed now, but I think I jumped on it pretty quick. The tours that weren't already happening, I was just like, guys, we should probably cancel this. So I got in pretty early with cancelling flights and all that kind of stuff. So where a lot of people got held up or like haven't sorted it out yet, it was already sorted. But then there were some venue bookers that were like, why don't we reschedule to July? And I'm like, dude, it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen in July. So you had what was the Jamila tour that you had coming up? Probably maybe the biggest thing you were working on. Yeah, there was that. Like the Jamila tour was a support tour. She was supporting Great Gable. So like work wise, all we had to really do was say yes and write a grant and books of flights. Mm. The ones that hurt more were like, your girl Foe had a tour where she was going to be playing her first ever interstate festival. And she had these like great media opportunities teed up and it was, and like, and then it was finishing in WA with like Grip in the Moon. We were like looking at an Esperance show and it was kind of like everything she'd been working on had built up to finally getting like this really good tour, you know, and like she had this awesome club show in Brisbane where it was going to have drag queens and all this fun shit going on and obviously we just had to cancel all of that and it was like actually something that we had worked so hard to put together so yeah those kinds of tours hurt more and how much of that is able to be just moved back um well the festivals you can't move um and and a lot of them are just like so uncertain of like what is the future that they're like we're gonna put a very light pencil on but we're not confirming it. So, like, I don't know. We'll kind of see in the coming months. But, yeah, some of the, some of the like, festival shows are definitely not going to be a thing now. Um, so we just have to try and find other ones, I guess. When I met you, you were mostly a violin player and you also were starting to get into the, the side of management. And these days you kind of 90% just focus on management, um, it seems. Like what? Like, did you consciously make a decision to move away from playing music and organising other people's music? 
No, it just happened. I don't know. I think the first, like the first step was I'd come from classical, right? Where everything is like so strict and there's rules and like there's literally a right way and wrong way to do music, which now I know is fucking so wrong and stupid. And so then I started like jamming with people like you, like you were one of the first people that like, you know, you were one of the first bands that I was really in. Um, and then it just kind of deconstructed my whole idea of, of like what it is to play music and what it is to be a good musician. Okay. I don't know. It's weird. Cause like I, yeah, I grew up just thinking that like you had to practice your ass off. You had to like nail that song that someone else wrote. You had to like win a Stedford's and then started playing contemporary music. And I was like, Oh no, you can just like, have a nice time and play what sounds nice. <laughs> I don't know. It took me such a long time to actually like, like now it feels so basic to me, but you know how like you're playing in a band and you're improvising or you're like learning the song and like you can feel when a chorus is coming up, mm. you know, you're like, okay, it's going to be yeah, three, four, and there's the chorus. But like, I never used to know it. Like it was always a fucking surprise to me because I've never had to think about, about bars of music. Like you just read it and you play it and you don't have really, you don't have to think about if that section is eight bars or 10 bars or 16 bars. Like it just, it's just there in front of you. So like, yeah, that took me ages to get my head around. I guess in in rock and roll or contemporary music or whatever you call it, you are thinking about sections and within those sections is a certain amount of time the music goes for. you got your verse, which could be X amount of bars, the chorus, which could be X amount of bars. But then I have noticed when I've worked with classical players and done shows with orchestras um, when in rehearsal and I'll say, hey, could we maybe go from the chorus? And there's always got to be – which it's usually the conductor and they, they are like, yeah. they're like the, the whisperer, you know, the, the rock whisperer, you know, they, they hear you say chorus and then they go, okay. And they turn to, you know, 70 people and they go, yeah, we'll take yeah. it from bar 67. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like you literally have no concept of sections of music. You're just like, yeah. They're like, let's take it from the third chorus. You're like, well, from the bar 108. Like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> Do you miss playing live or playing with bands as much? Because you don't really do that anymore. Nah. I forgot how nervous I get. I get so nervous I can't even talk to people. Yeah. Like I can't just be a person. Yeah, that's that's definitely a thing. I mean, that is the weird thing, isn't it, when you play a show? You you might get there two hours before you play or maybe you've just stayed around the whole time since soundcheck. You're watching the other bands Um and you, you might know some people coming down to the shows, your friends have come down and you, they want to talk and you kind of got one eye on them, one eye on the task at hand. You know, you, you can't really be present while you're, you're chatting them. I guess you're a bit antsy just waiting to get on stage or you're thinking about, um, okay, that band's gone a bit over so we'll have to set up a bit quicker or, you know, there's just... You, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like your family all comes and you're like, I love that you're here but like don't come 
<laughs> well also and like a lot of the time they're like we're here to support you and like they want to say hey and you're like that's the fucking last thing I want to do right now I just want to sit in a room with my band members and like smoke 50 cigarettes and drink exactly the perfect amount of whatever your pre-show alcohol is like I don't know you figure that out for me it's two glasses of champagne were you always freaked out playing shows because when we were playing so many gigs in a row I imagine it would have normalized it to some degree even then. Uh, no, I don't know if you ever noticed, but I never used to drink on tour. I, yeah, I, I knew that. I always thought that was to counter the amount we were drinking. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Mostly that actually. Because <laughs> you were supposed to just play some violin and have a good time and we had a manager at the time who, yeah. you know, they had a family member that got really sick and they, they couldn't do it anymore and you kind of put your hand up. And just started doing it. And yeah, why did I do that? <laughs> it was so, so fun before that. <laughs> well, I had a brief stint of doing the same thing with the Kill Devil Hills because I joined as a piano player in 2013. And after maybe maybe a year or something of, you know, there being no real management or direction, um, I just put my hand up and started booking the shows for the band and that went on for a couple of years. So I had kind of the same situation that you did, but you turned that into a career. So there must have been something you enjoyed about that side of it that made you go. Oh, I love it. Like I'm such a control freak. Like the idea that I get paid to control other people's lives is fucking great. It must be more than just that. (laughs) No, like obviously there's like reward and also like – when you play in a band, you're, and, and I'm guessing this is why you write with a lot of other people, right? But when you're in your own band, your experience of progression kind of ends with that band. Mm. Whereas when you either play in a lot of bands or you manage bands or like you book bands, you get to have those experiences multiple times. Like, you get to be with bands and see them play their first ever festival like more than once. And so you get to see like how amazing that is. And you're like, yeah, I guess it is kind of amazing. And like, I don't know, you get to kind of relive all of those things over and over and over again. You kind of get to have a second chance vicariously through them to really take in the journey of a band going from garage to, you know, main stage or something. Um, yeah, it's kind of like dance months, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like it's it's nice to go through it again, for sure. Hey, all right, we did it. That's the end of episode one. Thanks, Haley, for having a chat. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Adam Round and Advanced Production Engineering, or APE for hooking me up with this cool little microphone and a few other bits and bobs. And big thanks to Johnny Foley if you've seen the artwork for this podcast, the little cartoon of me in the hot tub drinking a Corona. That is uh, the fine work of Johnny Foley. He does uh, a lot of the artwork for my records. Uh, He did the the artwork for the Your House single as well, so it seemed fitting that he should do this. Um, So until next week. I will leave you with this uh, little message of positivity, shall we say. Lately I've been reimagining famous anthemic uplifting numbers, uh, but if Nick Cave was singing them. So to take you out here, 
It's our good friend Nick Cave singing Chumbawamba. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Kid, you're never gonna keep me down. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Kid, you're never gonna keep me down. He drinks a whiskey drink, he drinks a vodka drink, he drinks a cider drink, he drinks a lager drink. He sings the songs that remind him of the good times. He sings the songs that remind him of the best times. Oh, Danny boy, Danny boy, Danny boy, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Kid, you're never gonna keep me down. Down.